Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to episode 71 of the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I'm so excited that you're here. I have a fantastic interview for you today with Emily Jones of Family Tech University. I have been so excited to share this interview with you. I wanted to jump on here at the very beginning and just let you know that when Emily and I recorded, we had a little bit of audio trouble. We spent about an hour trying to figure it out, and I thought that I would be able to send it off to my editors and have them fix the issues that she was having with her microphone, but it didn't work out. My goal is always to offer the best audio quality of, on the podcast that I can, and this didn't quite turn out that way, and we thought about re-recording, but I really didn't know if I could capture again kind of the way that this interview went and I felt the spirit so strongly when I interviewed Emily and I just didn't know if we could recapture that again and so I just decided to air it as it is so you're no, you'll notice off and on there's some clicking on Emily's microphone hopefully you can overlook that and just listen to the beautiful message that she shares about motherhood and about helping our children to realize their potential and the vision and who they can really be so here is my interview with Emily Jones. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am excited to be here today with my guest, Emily Jones. She is a mother of five spectacular children whose shenanigans she navigates with the gospel of Jesus Christ and an occasional bag of peanut butter M&Ms. She's a Deseret Book author and co-founder with her beloved husband, Dave, of Family Tech University, a website dedicated to help teens choose to be wise with technology of their own free will. Emily, I am so excited to dive in with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Darla. So tell us just a little bit more about your family. What, how many kids do you have? What are their ages? Where are you guys at right now? We are in this great space right now. We have a senior in high school. So we have, we have five children, just like you mentioned. And my oldest son is a senior. And so we're knocking on the door of that independence really quick. And then we have, going on down, we've got four boys and one girl, so very testosterone-ridden household. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they go down, so we've got a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, we've got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and then we have a little eight-year-old boy. So yes, we are in a, it's a great space. You're not in the sleep deprivation of babies. Um, you're just in the sleep deprivation of teenagers. That's where we are. Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? But <laughs> but so fun. I am right there with you, and I really am loving this stage of motherhood. I think it's great. So we're, we're going to dive in. I want to talk about, I mentioned that you and your husband created Family Tech University, and it's a way for kids to discover how to use technology, how to choose to use it in a good way. And I have to say that my family, I purchased that on my own, not you didn't give it to me, and my family's been using it. And we're only one lesson in. I have some, my boys are 15 and 17. I'm trying to motivate them <laughs> to actually dive in. They did the first lesson, but my 12-year-old daughter is loving it and has already learned a lot from it. So I'm excited to talk to you more about that. But let's talk about I, one of the things that really resonated with, for me with you and that I kind of feel like I share with you is just this love for this generation. Like 
I declare all the time. I love teenagers. I really love this phase of motherhood. I love who these kids are and, and being able to see what they're going to become. What do you think makes them so powerful? No, Darla, that is such a great question. And I think we share a passionate love for that, that age group. They are remarkable. I think in one respect, the thing that I'm just madly in love with about this generation is just that they, there is a potential in there that is just remarkable. I, I particularly am drawn to their capacity to choose well of their own accord. They, I think it's untapped, Darla. I think this capacity that they have to choose well is, is untapped. We, up to this point, much of the parenting trends have been about fencing them in and protecting them, which is certainly a necessary element of parenting, particularly when it comes to technology. We have to put those fences or those training wheels in place, so to speak, as they, as they grow into those capacities. However, I seem to I, I think that sometimes when we when we put those fences up and when we when we guard them so well, sometimes this capacity, this this innate capacity to choose well is is a little bit stifled, and we forget that as we train them, we're training their heart. We, we are training that capacity to choose well. I love their fire. I love their energy. I think that this generation also has a particular need to know the why mm-hmm. behind the rules. And that is not a weakness, that is a strength because they don't, they don't operate in blind ways. When they understand that why, particularly as the why relates to their own particular happiness, their personal happiness, they are unstoppable. They are unstoppable. In fact, I think they're sometimes better than the adults. It's just amazing. Love them. Yeah, I love what you're saying. Like, I think there is something, there's a lot of things that they can teach us. One of them being what you said about the why and asking questions. I think we can learn a lot from that. I think there's a lot of people in the past, especially in the gospel and in the church that we've just like, we're going to follow the prophet. That's, we're just following, we're just following, you know, and that's not a bad thing, but what can we learn from asking questions? We can go deeper and we can have a stronger conviction. And I think that's what they're going to teach us you know, their questionings, we shouldn't be afraid of that. It's not bad. I love that. I love that. In fact, I think scripturally, every magnificent piece of doctrine or revelation has come as a result of those questions and those searchings, because questions invite us to search and to seek. And I think these kids are seekers, natural. For sure. Yeah. And so because of that, I think that they, they're really not going to resonate with fear right? I know that's something that you talk about a lot about parenting them fearlessly. And we don't have to teach them out of fear. We can teach them to be fearless. What does that mean? Another term I've heard you use a lot is heroic parent. What does all that mean? Yes. This topic of fear, this this is a big one for us. And and this is the reason, Darla. I think this is the reason. I feel like parenting out of fear brings paralysis. It brings... It shuts out the spirit. It, it, this type of parenting, fearful parenting, trying to frighten our children into being good or being frightened ourselves, it really shuts off that spiritual connection that we have with heaven that really can inspire us to be wise in the way that we parent. And, and that, that fearful approach just doesn't sit with me. I feel so 
lost without that spirit. And that spirit, I believe, is driven away by fearful parenting. There, there's really, in the realm of technology, there's two directions that parents will go when they are motivated by fear. One direction is clamp down hard to micromanage, to be anxious, and to, frankly, kind of lecture and try to corral that child. That's one direction. The irony is, is that the other direction goes, goes in the other way, and that is to head in the sand. This is too overwhelming, mm -hmm. too much to know. I'm going to hand you this smartphone and cover my eyes and cross my fingers and hope. Yeah. Out because I can't handle how big this is. Both of those approaches, I don't turn out well, generally. I think fear can, for a time, be effective. It can be effective for a short time. But in the end, it leads to children who are afraid themselves, or it creates kind of a forbidden fruit effect with technology. Ooh, this is scary. I, I'm kind of drawn to this because yeah. this, this is really scary. And so there is no criticism here, certainly from me or parents who are feeling that kind of fear, but we can harness that and do yeah. something. Yeah. And I think the key, the key to heroic parenting begin with is to have a plan a plan you know and an understanding of how we are going to navigate this greatly diminishes that fear yeah it's powerful when you were talking I was thinking this is how my brain works <laughs> when I think of fear like what's the opposite of fear I think love that's the first word that I thought of and so we can motivate our children through the love of God we, or we can motivate them through fear. Like there's a choice there to choose. And I've talked a lot, but I want kids who grow up and can, you know, spread their wings and fly and be who they are because I gave them a basis, but not because they're just wanting to be obedient to me or just do things to please me. I want them to please God. I want them to do things because they love God. And so when you take that fear out of it, you can teach them in that way. You can motivate them. They are capable of loving God and knowing what they want to do. I love that, Dara. I love that so much. And I think also when we parent this fearlessly, we're also communicating confidence in that child. Yes, yes. We, we are saying, hey, I am not afraid because you are going to get this. Yeah. You are going to harness this. You are going to bring light to this world through these things. And, and that's another thing I thought a lot about. The tendency can be we see all of these headlines, we hear the horror stories about what is going on, and they are real. Those things are happening. The tendency can be, I'm going to build a bunker and head to the hills. And we are not going to use any technology. And I've often thought to myself, what would happen to the web if all of the good people in this world and the good teenagers in this world pulled off? What would happen? This, this gift of technology I believe this generation is born to harness it better than we have. We are born to master it, to harness it, and to use it to spread the word of God, to spread light, to lift each other up. And if we can see it as a tool for those things rather than just something to entertain them or to do when they're bored, if we can yeah. see it as a tool to bring light to this world, oh, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. For sure. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning that you, you and your husband have developed Family Tech University. And we're, I want to talk about that more in just a minute. But I really want to know, what were the things, experiences that you and your husband were having as parents 
with your own children that were leading you to create this for other parents? I, it's kind of a driver's ed for kids to learn how to use tech. So tell me, go back to the beginning. Where, what were the things happening in your family that were leading you to this? Okay, this is, I would love to talk about this. So my husband is an IT professional. David is an IT professional. And so you, would, you could say that there is a hyper-awareness in my home about the powers and some of the darkness associated with technology. And so this has been kind of a topic of conversation for a long time with us, even to even back to the days when our oldest was maybe only eight or nine years old. And when that son, that oldest son, got to that age that some parents start getting a little nervous about when he started expressing interest, I want a phone. My friends all have a phone. Mm-hmm. We, we knew that we needed to be on our game with this one. We just knew. We knew. We, we just felt that prompting you've got to do some training before you hand this kind of technology over. And I have a teacher's heart. I believe in training. I believe in preempting things and being preventative with things. And so we started thinking about what kind of training would be most powerful. And in the year, I believe it was 2014, we heard a talk that was given by Linda Reeves. And she used a phrase that I had never heard before said something to the effect of the most powerful filter for the protection of our homes and our families is the internal filter. And that idea just stayed in my mind. And I thought, the internal filter, she's right. When my child walks out the door away from my digital filters, away from my monitoring, away from my watchful eye, what will keep him choosing well, but what's right here in his heart? What else is there? And so I started to think a lot about how that is nurtured. Why do people choose well? I remember looking around. I have this fascination, this funny fascination with teenagers who are doing well with technology. And why? Why do, why do they do? Why do they seem to do so well? I've made a little study of these kind of kids because I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what makes them choose well when they don't seem to have anybody over their back screaming in their ear or yanking the phone out of their hand. Why did they choose it? Why did they choose to be measured in their use of technology and to use it for good? And so I've made a little habit of, of kind of interviewing these kids kind of in an informal way. You know, why, why, do you, why did you decide to pull off social media for a while? Why, why do you seem to be able to sit at a restaurant with your friends or sit with your family and really unplug and really engage. And inevitably, Darla, there is this internal filter that is made up of a belief system that believes in a measured approach with technology. And interestingly, one of the most across the board things I hear from these kids who are doing well is a vision for the future, for their own future life. We seem to have this, these hopes and these dreams that drive their decision-making with technology. They'll say things like, well, I just, I want to explore. I want to hike the mountains and explore. And so I just don't really have time to bury myself in technology. Or they'll say things like, oh, I've kind of heard that, that pornography and some of those things can really wreck your future relationships. And I just really want a great marriage and a great family. And I just don't feel like that element fits in. And it's these beliefs, these beliefs that are buried in their hearts that seem to drive that. And so what I, what I started to do with, with David was basically scouring the web for all of the most 
potent, most motion-inducing, feeling-inducing uh, materials that I could find on technology and young people. News stories, news reports, videos from, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ has produced many videos that are, are really resonant when it comes to technology. And we basically scoured the web for all of the information and articles that would specifically speak to teenagers, evoke thought, provoke them to really digest concepts that would be, would form that filter inside of them. So we gathered all of these materials and, and basically divided them into modules. All of the modules that a parent would most want their child to understand before they had technology. So modules on social media, modules on pornography, um, a module on the goodness to be found in technology. We've got like a top 50 list of websites for teenagers that are fantastic that they get to explore. There's even a module that talks about the importance of stillness and incorporating that stillness into life, connecting with the divine. Anyway, so we kind of organized this and our oldest son was the guinea pig. He went through That's this. what I was going to ask you. Like, what were your kids' reactions to all this? Oh, my son, my son, who is just my buddy, and he really is so easy to get along with. He was not happy that he had to do this before getting a phone. His words uh -huh. were, I am the only kid on the planet who has parents that are weird enough to make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, honey, you're just so loved. But he, he was kind of the guinea pig, and we incorporated into this we call them chats, where, where the child will absorb these this, some type of material that is fantastic, and then will be prompted to chat with the parent about it and share the, their ideas. And the idea is, is that when a child expresses their opinions, those opinions are owned. They're theirs. It's not the parent lecturing. Mm -hmm. It's not a teacher that's down in over room. They express these opinions and they become owned. And so I tested this little method out on this dear boy and we showed him a video that was produced by 60 minutes called brain hacking and it's fantastic it is a, a video special that they did on basically the, the ways that social media companies keep us online for as long as possible and so he watched this video and afterwards I asked him so what did you think what did you think about that video he was incensed mom can you believe the things that they do to try to keep us on there that long and a light bulb went off as I watched my boy just pouring out these opinions I thought this is what we want we want an internalized opinion something that is going to direct behavior and so he went through this whole experience took several weeks and it was the most magnificent experience Dara it really was it was so amazing to see him internalize these ideas for himself, to see his journal entries that he had composed, and to witness that growth. And since that time, certainly not a perfect child, but he really has been magnificent in his technology use. And I know it works. We've shared it with many families since that time. The reaction has been strong, and, and we've had so many people say, This is this teaching of their hearts. This has to be the, the new focus. So it was awesome. And that's how it came to be. I love that. So if someone is, is wanting to teach their children, do you have like, what's a recommended age to start? 
And if they're past that age, is it too late to start? Um, that, that is such a great question that we get asked all the time. Is it too late? Is yeah. it too late for my child? So we have designed this particular, this particular program to be for ages 12 and up. That should not be mistaken for advocacy for handing a child a phone at that age from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, it is my belief that the training begins very, very young, even much younger than 12. So informally, the training begins long before this, but though it is designed for ages 12 and up. What I would say to parents who feel a sense of hopelessness that maybe it's too late, my child is already buried in social media or gaming or those kind of things. I would say, first of all, never, ever too late. These children, these young people are moldable to the nth degree, especially by the Lord. They are moldable. And I think it takes a sort of fearlessness on the part of the parent to be prayerful and to gauge is there too much access right now to some of these things? And do we need to step back? I would say to, to never be afraid to step the access to the technology back a little bit. I believe it's something that our children will thank us for later on. Mm-hmm. It does take a lot of courage. I would also say to parents to not be afraid of our children's errors. In fact, I would say to expect them. Think of the example of our Heavenly Father. He expected our errors he knew that they would happen. He knew that they would come. And he made a way through his son, the majesty and the mercy of his son. And so I think as parents, we can take that same posture with our children. that We expect that they will make mistakes. We're, we're quite accepting of the idea that when a toddler is learning how to walk, they're going to stumble a lot. And we keep encouraging, oh, good job, honey, good job. Get back up. You can do it. We're very accepting of that. And I think we have to view our older children in the same way that those mistakes will breed lessons and will breed understanding and wisdom in them that they cannot get in any other way. And so if we can remove any kind of shaming, um, any tendency to shame, and if we can also corral our own fear and know that those mistakes will be part of their learning, that we partner with partner with them and and really work with them and make a plan you know as an example you you come upon perhaps a search that your child has done or something and this happens in households all over where where there's been a search done of inappropriate things and that scares a mom to death that scares us to death because where does our mind go our mind goes all the way out to addiction life is ruined everything is crashing down can't go there We just cannot go there. We have to be certain that our reaction with our children is that of peace, confidence, that we turn them to a plan that they help formulate themselves. Maybe maybe we decide, hey, can you check in with me every night? Tell me how the day went. And if it it went great, great. If it didn't, tell me about it. We're going to work through this. I know that you are going to figure this out and that we're going to partner with them. And that we also express our confidence in, in the Lord's ability to help them as they reach to him. So it is never too late. You know, the other thing, Darla, that comes to mind is the importance of recognizing what we can control, what we can control as a parent. Unfortunately, this life 
grants all of us agency to choose. We are agents and able to make choices. And I love, my mother-in-law is fond of saying, she's the mother of 10 children. And she's fond of saying, I just hate agency. I don't believe in it. <laughs> and says that jokingly, I just don't like agency. And I think we all feel that a little bit. Yeah. We wish force them into goodness. But if we can focus on the controllables, um, how much access our children have in our home, our own example with technology is a big one. Yeah. Those are things that we can control. We can control the love that we express for them. And, and, and those controllables, I think, can bring peace. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, we can control the reaction that we have when they do fail. You know, that's a big thing. And I just really love that this is an approach that is not cookie cutter. It's not like if everybody does this, everything's going to be great because our kids are individuals. And I think that this is an approach that can help them as an individual to figure out what is going to motivate me from the inside, you know, that each internal filter. I love how you discovered that and that that's what you're using because our kids leave our home and we can't protect them forever. So they've got to have something inside of themselves to be able to do that. So, so how do you think a parent can just see the power, help their kids see the power they have inside of themselves? How do do you ignite that internal filter? I love that. Well, I'll tell you a little exercise that we built into this workshop, but this is something a parent can do today in their own home on their own. I think the root of a child's fire and strength, their vision of their own goodness and their dreams and who they are. I think their understanding, they are children of our Heavenly Father, and that they also do some work and do some processing about what do I want? I think we all remember being teenagers, being pre-teenagers. Sometimes there's not a lot of thought, even to the next week. Sometimes Sometimes that thought pattern is just not part of their operation. But I think that as we encourage that development of vision, this experience that we designed for our family and in this workshop is really quite a remarkable experience. We, we actually have our young people make a video or a sound recording of themselves describing their life vision. We have some prompter questions that they might or might not use. Questions like, what want your connection with heaven to be like? Or what dreams do you have about your future family or about a future marriage? Or what kind of dreams do you have career-wise? What sort of things do you dream of doing? What do you dream of seeing in this world? As they, it really is quite a remarkable experience for a young person to actually verbalize those things, to verbalize, to project out that vision for their future life. When I listened to our oldest son's recording, which he shared with me, it was a a truly sacred experience to hear my boy get emotional about what he really, really wanted in life. And I thought, as I listened to this, I thought, I didn't know that was in him. I didn't know the depth of the feeling and the dreams and the almost aching desires in that heart that seems so cavalier and so confident and sometimes brash at times. 
that was in there. And so I think as parents, if we can nurture that vision, that is what ignites that drive to be good, that drive to do good, that drive to choose well, because they've got this vision. I want this, and what is going to lead to that? And what is not going to lead to that? Sometimes I see these young people, you ever planted spring bulbs? Personally, no, but <laughs> I know the concept. <laughs> They're kind of onion-like, yeah. kind of onion-like and really nondescript, not nothing to be excited about. And I think for some of us, some of our children, it's easier to see potential in than others. And that sounds yeah. a little bit harsh. With some of our children, it's really easy to see. And for others, it's veiled, veiled to us. And sometimes I look at those spring bulbs and I think that that is that child where, where that vision for him might be veiled at the time, but think what's in there. Think of the potential energy and the beauty that is in there. And I think I had one message to communicate to mothers. It would be that we knock, even pound on the doors of heaven and ask him, show me this child's potential. Having a hard time seeing it right now. Mm -hmm. And that as a mother, part of our responsibility is to mirror what we see in them back to them because they cannot see it. And so if we can act as mirrors, if we can if the Lord can, can show us a vision for who that child is, for what their gifts are, their capacities, and if we can continually reflect that back to them and remind them of who they are, there is so much power in that, Darla, so much power. Yeah, I believe it. Vision, like that's the word. I would sum that all up. Help your kids have a vision of what they want in the future, of who they are, of how God sees them, and start by praying yourself for that vision, right? Oh, yes. And it takes some pounding sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we're entitled to that, right? We, we can get that from God. And that's my whole message on this podcast is that God is our partner. He doesn't leave us alone. He is there to help us. And your message, I love it. It's shining that a bright light on that, that God is our partner and we, we can do this with his help. We don't have to be afraid. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I do have one final question for you that I ask every guest. And it is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? This is a hard question for me to answer without being emotional. He is so good. He is so good. I think some of the most powerful experiences I have ever had in my mothering have been to watch him directly parent my child. In fact, one of the prayers that I use repeatedly that is just a real power prayer for me is I plead with him to give my children personal experiences with him without any go-between, that they can have experiences. I pray, Lord, would you please give my child a personal experience with you? And I have seen that in so many aspects of my children's lives where he will place something in their path that is just what they need, a person an experience, maybe a hardship that leads them to reach for him. And then he shows himself to them in some way. And it just touches my heart like nothing else can to see him parent them. I remember one of my sons had this dream that he wanted to swim. He wanted to be on the swim team, the high school swim team. And he spent the summer training. And for some random reason, 
he noticed the cross-country team practicing in the park behind our home. And this is a boy who, he's always been very fit, but he hates running. He always felt like running. Why would anybody choose to run? It seems so pointless to just go kill yourself. (laughs) In his words, words, to go just exert yourself that way. Why would you do that? But for whatever reason, he he went out and started practicing with these cross-country kids. And he came back the first day of practice and... And he said, Mom, I was so far behind those kids, I could not even see the last kid in front of me. And for whatever reason, that boy of mine kept going out and kept running and kept practicing with them and fell so in love with the the training and the, the grit that you build as you train in that sport and fell in with this group of magnificent boys or his friend group that he never looked back at swimming. And I've often marveled at that experience because I thought, why was he prompted to go do that? And why did the Lord place that in his path? The Lord knew that he needed that for his own confidence, friend group that he would develop. And I would never have, I would never have encouraged him to go do such a thing. And so I, I think that that has, has been very touching to me. A recent experience that our family had um, is another to me, evidence of the Lord's goodness to us as mothers and to our children. We decided as a family that we were going to be a little more deliberate about praying for each other. And so we decided that we would, every Sunday, we would sit at the dinner table and everybody would share what they wanted the family to pray for them. And we wrote those things down and put a copy of it by everybody's bedside. And we had a son who'd been looking for a job for several weeks. We had another son who said, would you pray for me that I can sell my dirt bike? It sounds kind of funny, but he'd been trying to sell his dirt bike for three months without any luck. And this was something he really wanted. So we did this for a week. Darla, I tell you, we, within two days of beginning this practice, my one son had two job offers that just almost fell out of the sky. And this other son had six offers on this bike that he had not been able to sell. And I just wept when I, the Lord is showing them. He is, he's showing them, I am here. I am aware of you. And that is something I never could have taught them. if He hadn't had the experience. And so I just love his goodness. You have opened my eyes to a totally new perspective to think that Heavenly Father could parent my children and that I could recognize that and to see his hand in their life. Because I often focus on his hand in my life but I don't think I've focused as much on his hand in their life. And I really love that. I'm going to start looking for those instances. I'm going to start praying for them and pray, having your kids pray for each other. That's powerful. That is so powerful. Such, such great examples, such good things that we can, anyone listening to this can take and implement into their home. So I really love that. Emily, this has been wonderful. I have felt the spirit and I'm so grateful that you would take the time to share about the things that you've developed and the things that you're learning. And I know it will help someone else. So thank you. Thank you so much, Darla. So good to be with you. 
I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.